This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is, giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. TGIF, it's Friday. Welcome to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show. John Katsimatidis, are you there? I am here someplace. I'm on the Long Island Expressway, which is a very Long Island Expressway today. <laughs> uh, could you get there faster I by maybe on a scooter? I can get there faster. My wife says I, we can get there faster by roller skate. <laughs> <laughs> the world's largest parking lot. Well, Long Island Expressway. Well, we'll keep you busy. You'll stay on the line with us uh, right now. In studio, we have a full house. You know who's sitting in your chair, John? we got George Venizelos. He is the former New York, uh, what were you, the director in charge, right, of New York. That's a big deal. And then you, uh, we have Jay Nelson Happy. He's the former dean of Regent Law School. Welcome. Ed Cox, you've been here all week. Are you I'm sick of us yet? Week. Are you sick of us yet? <laughs> no, no, you're, the judge isn't here. Oh, the judge. Uh, Those are some big so you shoes need two lawyers to, fill. to substitute for him here. That's correct. Thank <laughs> you, too. Yeah. Ed Cox, former GOP chair for a decade, as well as President Nixon's son-in-law. And then we have a former governor of New York, Governor Patterson. So we got a full studio tonight. And, John, have you moved yet? I'm okay. I'm listening. So you guys keep going. <laughs> okay. So we got I some. That we're going to have uh, John Solomon on first, and uh, and you take the lead. But I'll be here. Okay. Let's go to John Solomon. He's on the line now. And on the line with us is uh, intrepid investigative reporter extraordinaire of JustTheNews.com. That's JustTheNews.com. John Solomon, you always have some breaking news for us. Tell us what do you know. We do indeed. Just a little bit ago, the Republican National Committee has sued Pennsylvania uh, to stop a practice that first started to crop up in the 2020 election. The idea that someone will send in an absentee ballot, it's non-compliant, it's missing information, it has no extraneous marks. And in the old days, they would be considered spoiled and be sent back and someone would have to vote again. But Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, some of the battleground states controlled by Democrats have been coming up with this idea that a election clerk at the county level could look at it and say, I can fix that. I know what the voter meant. I'm going to change the, and, and divide the voters intent and fix it. Uh, earlier this week, the Wisconsin state legislature, several of their members, sued uh, the regulators saying, you can't give these instructions. People can't do it. That's not what the law says. Today, the Republican National Committee sued in Pennsylvania saying the same thing, which is this practice is not constitutional. It's not in the, the laws of Pennsylvania and Wisconsin Judge, you need to block this. This is going to be a big battle. This is the first major election integrity lawsuits that really govern what's going to happen in 2022. So we're going to keep a close eye on that. And speaking of election politics, uh, President Joe Biden's had a pretty tough day today. He gave his speech last night uh, behind a red backdrop with two Marines, and it was a scathing speech against uh, Donald Trump and his movement and his people. Uh, it didn't go well. The reviews were not very strong in, in the normally reliable or uh, regular media. And so today he's been backpedaling saying, I didn't mean to say Trump voters are a threat, though that's what he said last night. 
And then separately, he's getting a lot of criticism for using two Marines in the backdrop uh, uh, on such a political partisan speech. Marines should be outside of politics. So the president had hoped this was going to be a, an opening salvo for the 2020 to election. Instead, he's been backpedaling all day. That's the biggest news out of Washington right now. It's hard to believe that the local regulators were allowing uh, the the uh, the people counting the votes to make the determination which vote they, they assumed the voter meant. Yeah, you're right, John. I did a, I did a FOIA uh, last year in Georgia. And in Atlanta, there would be ballots where both Donald Trump and Joe Biden were marked as having been voted for in a hand, handwritten ballot. And, of course, the Georgia law says that's a spoiled ballot. You can't count it. But you know what happened hundreds of times, maybe thousands of times? They would divine which one of the two candidates they want. Most of the time, Joe Biden won that vote every time, of course, in the Democratic county. That's the sort of stuff that drives people crazy, saying, listen, we're too good for this. We, we, we should be able to solve things like this. Uh, but this curing is going on now. It's become very popular in blue states. This is a lawsuit that we're going to be paying very close attention to because how it comes down could affect people's views on the future integrity of our elections. John Solomon, staying on the elections, what's the latest on Zuckbucks? I still can't believe that was ever allowed for them to just have these drop boxes and, and collect these ballots and God only knows if they change them or not. And then we know that, what, 99% of those uh, ballots went towards Joe Biden. So what's the latest on that? Yeah, so this time around, uh, the, the, tenor for, uh, the Center for Tech and Civic Life isn't donating directly to the county clerks like they did in 2020. Uh, they stopped that. Zuckerberg and some of his groups are giving money to a voter roll system called ERIC, basically the a registration system that a lot of states are using. Everybody's watching that money closely to make sure that there's no funny business going on. But I think the most important thing that people have taken away from the last couple of weeks about Zuckbucks is we now know that while Zuckerberg was funding all of this money that helped blue voters in blue areas and blue counties of America, he also was working with the FBI to censor the Hunter Biden laptop that most people now say if they had known about it, it likely would have changed their vote. You really get a sense of Mark Zuckerberg's political intent. You know, when he first, when we first heard about Zuckerberg, it was, oh, this is about good governance. I'm not trying to sway the election. I'm just trying to make it easier during um, COVID. Of course, the way the money was laid out clearly showed Democrats were a benefit. But now we see him having been engaged directly in censorship uh, related to the uh, Russia, uh, to the Hunter Biden laptop. And you really get a sense that Mark Zuckerberg is a partisan and that his money really is attached to a partisan outcome. Uh, I think that's the big thing a lot of voters have been talking to me about in the last couple of weeks. Anything else you want to add? We're going to keep an eye. Uh, Donald Trump has a rally in Pennsylvania uh, tomorrow night. We'll be watching that to see what the reaction is there. And uh, on, on Friday or Monday, President Joe Biden will be going to Wisconsin, where unusually the two top Democratic candidates, Governor Evers and Mandela Barnes, the U.S. Senate nominee, Neither one has found time in their schedule to campaign with him yet. Kind of unusual for the president not to be able to get the top Democrats to join him. A sign, I think, of Joe Biden's polling numbers. But we're going to watch both of those events over the week and have coverage at justthenews.com all weekend long. Well, thank you so much, John Solomon. Again, that's John Solomon of justthenews.com. Have an amazing weekend and keep on keeping on telling the truth. Well, do you guys have a great week. God bless. Well, that was some interview, and I think that's what everybody's been talking about is that speech last night. So I want to go around a little bit and talk to everybody and get their reaction. 
luckily, not all the major networks carried it. What, at Cox, it was only CNN, but the... None of the major networks right? carried it after they read the speech and realized it was all political uh, uh, and had nothing really of substance. Normally, the networks will carry it. The major networks will carry it when there's a big announcement that is consequential or there's a big incident that they that the president has to address. This was a purely political speech of really of the worst sort, frankly. It was so derogatory of one half of the voting population. But if it's a political speech, then why did he have those Marines there? Uh, well, not only did he have the two Marine sergeants, he had the Marine band there to entertain him. That is an abuse of power. If you're given a purely political speech, you cannot have the trappings of the of the presidency around you. And I just want to ask you, what, what was, uh, I mean, have you ever seen anything like this? A president of the United States, at least in modern history, demonizing half of Americans? I, I have, I, they have in the past demonized the malefactors of great wealth and things like that, that kind of thing. And that was Teddy Roosevelt. In fact, a Republican did that, but not demonizing ordinary people for voting for a, a rival, uh, for the presidency. Never. And two years after the fact, Trump's been out of office. Why now? It's just really bizarre and quite coincidental with the timing. Governor Patterson, what do you think? Is this all a coincidence? Is this some sort of political ploy? Well, I think there was a desire to take advantage of some political situations in the last couple of weeks have actually benefited Democrats for the first time in 18 months. (laughs) And I think what uh, Biden was trying to do was, in a sense, to out-Trump Trump, Trump, which is not how he won the election. Um, He was strong. He was uh, antagonistic in the debates at times. But some of the rhetoric was sounding very Trump-esque. And when it's interesting, people will defend it. But when they hear it out of someone else's mouth, they realize that it's really improper when anybody actually does it. The whole idea of using the Marines just makes me wonder who is in the meetings before these events, because I guarantee you, if I was in that meeting, I would have said there is no way that you use the trappings of the office in a political speech. And as a matter of fact, they shouldn't even have thought that the networks would cover that speech because it wasn't a presidential address. It was a campaign speech. Right. I mean, he literally said, if you're MAGA, you're a threat to democracy. John Katzmatidis? Well, uh, I'll tell you, it was very, very disappointing. Uh, And I hate to say it, it almost put me to sleep. And, um, and you know, uh, 60 days out of the election uh, of Congress, I think it was wrong for him to to demonize uh, uh, half the population, as Ed Cox would say. And um, it was just disappointing. You know, Joe Biden's job, uh, President Biden said he's going to unite. He said he was going to, when mm-hmm. he was running for office, he's going to unite all Americans and by that speech last night, he is creating more civil, uh, civil problems than anything before. That I couldn't agree more. And Jay Nelson, happy you, though, had an interesting take. What did you think of Biden, Biden's I, performance? Well, as a defender of senior citizens, <laughs> uh, I thought he held up pretty well. He had a lot of energy. Uh, he didn't seem elderly during his presentation. He did refer to... President Lincoln, when he talked about the better angels of our nature, that was a Republican quote. Uh, He did use the bully pulpit that Theodore Roosevelt mentioned that the president has. And the only time he looked elderly or 
uh, not that strong as as he was walking away. I noticed that he was hunched over. He, his wife was helping him lead him off. So he must have been uh, given some drugs to keep him at that level of performance. Possibly. I just, aside from the Marines, even the lighting, how it was red, it looked demonic and he got very angry and he just kept going hard on Donald Trump. So he never mentioned China. He never mentioned crime, inflation, fentanyl, the border. He mentioned Charlottesville once, January 6th twice. Uh, Donald Trump, he mentioned three times. Extremism, seven times. Violence, ten times. MAGA 13 times, Republicans 16 times. Yet he wants to say this was not a political speech. Throw it back to you, Ed Cox. Is there any doubt in your mind this was a political speech? And do you think this is going to backfire, actually, on the Democrats? I I believe it will. Uh, He overdid it. As John Solomon said, the reviews are not good, even from Washington. Uh, He violated, as uh, Governor Patterson pointed out, he violated really very basic rules. You don't uh, use the trappings of your office when you're giving a political speech. Now, I think he tried to advertise it in order to get the networks there. This is a this is not a political speech. We're just laying out. They said we're trying to save our democracy. And I think they went along with it. The battle of the soul of the nation. They went along with it until they read the speech and they said, no, we can't. We can't. uh, Well, thankfully, they have some sort of um, integrity, which brings me to you, Governor Patterson. One of your famous quotes you like to use, J.R. Ewing of Dallas. Right. Once you give up integrity, everything else is is a piece of cake. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what was going through your mind as a Democrat? Is this the party that, you know, I think back to Bill Clinton, where he did uh, welfare reform. He he wanted the era of big government is over. He balanced the budget. He had a Republican Congress all while he did this, uh, a crime bill. And yet here we have Biden. He he seems like the extremist to me. Well, as I said, he gave that type of speech last night. But the intent of the speech may have been to see what the reaction would be from President Trump. He was obviously, in a sense, campaigning against President Trump, who he would perceive to be his opponent in 2024. And, you know, President Trump himself has done the same thing. I I don't know why we seem to have forgotten that that happened from time to time and got the same kind of reaction uh, from both parties. However, I think the difference is, is that when Biden does it, he's really out of his comfort zone. This is not who he really is. And once you move away from who you really are, it's very difficult to try to make relevant points and not make a number of mistakes. And that that uh, Marine thing just should never have happened. Now, I, I agree with you. The substance of the speech was not Biden's uh, 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 what he does, but. He does know how to get on a soapbox and preach. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's his background. So I think it's his style, but not his content. Now, as a non-political yeah. person. Oh, George, Venezuelos. There you go. Person. I didn't know if you wanted to talk about <laughs> this or not. Okay. He picked a week with one of the most vacationed week. And the networks, which didn't have a lot going on, still didn't pick it up. Bing, so that's wow, a that's loss. A that's a great That's point. a loss on his part. Yeah. So whoever, whoever gave this advice to do this speech... Um, Thursday, Thursday night, everyone was headed for the holidays. Yeah, I like that, George. It would have been more effective if he wanted to get the time right. to make a speech by saying, you know, right now, in the middle of everything that's going on in this country, mm-hmm. we've got to tone down this rhetoric, and I'm right. going to take the first step by 
pointing out a couple of things that I think we Democrats need to avoid and then pointing out what our colleagues on the other side of the aisle need to avoid. He would have come across a lot better by doing that. And also, you know, you guys all know where I came from. I wish he'd never mentioned the FBI and he mentioned it once. We don't need him to mention the word FBI. So I wish he'd just forget point. The name FBI about being attacked. That's ridiculous. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting that he tried to walk back his comments today. He said, no, I, I never said that MAGA Republicans are a, are a threat to our democracy. Is he, does he think, do they think Americans are this stupid? And then I also heard Karine Jean-Pierre, the uh, White House press secretary, blame Republicans for the COVID lockdown issues and all these other things. They're literally trying to rewrite history. We do have to go to a break, but I want to give the floor back to you, Ed Cox. Because you kind of seem the voice of reason when it comes to the Republican Party. He was saying, this is not what the majority of the people stand for. Well, by the way, he's not the majority of the people. He's about high 30s, low 40s in the polls. So it gets a little bit confusing what he was trying to do. You're exactly right, Jay Nelson Happy. So that's exactly right. So the majority of Americans, I guess, are extremists because they said, if you don't follow the Biden agenda, then you're an extremist. So... I don't know. Nelson, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's not all there for how old he is, like you thought he was. I th- well, <laughs> I, I, I think, as Ed pointed out, he did read the speech well. So he's a good reader. Tell he's a good reader. reader. All right. Yeah. The home of Sid and Amy Goodfriend. All right. So when we come back, we are going to speak to Ryan Payne. Ryan Payne, he is a financial expert. He's going to tell us about the pain in the economy. The stocks are sliding after the jobs report. Keep it right here. Cats at night. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail from accepting payments to managing inventory Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. We got a full studio. John has other important business to attend to. So we're going to, yeah, we'll, we'll just carry on as best as we can. We have George Venizelos here. We have Jay Nelson Happy. We have Ed Cox and Governor Patterson. Now on the line for us, we have Ryan Payne. He is the president and chief investment officer of Payne Capital Management. That's Payne, P-A-Y-N-E. He also has a show on WABC every weekend. Tell us about your show real quick. Before we get to the pain that we're seeing in the stock market, Ryan Payne. So many ways to use that last name, Payne. But, yes, 1 o'clock uh, every Saturday on Steve Moore's show, More Money. We've got a segment, so uh, great to be here. And we have been feeling some pain, uh, P-A-I-N, in the stock market, especially this week as we close up for the Labor Day holiday. So the Dow is down, uh, what was it, 250 points. Inflation continues to outpace worker wages. And yet you have President Biden touting that we're in such a strong economy. Uh, it, it, it's kind of bizarre because we do have this crazy inflation, right? We're at 40-year highs, which we haven't seen inflation like this since the early 80s. Um, but, you know, we had the labor report come out today, and the labor market continues to be a lot stronger than I think everyone's anticipated. We added another 315,000 jobs uh, for the month, and you know, we saw more people come back into the labor force, which is actually a really big positive because you have more people working that can actually take some of the pressure off those wage gains. And we saw wage gains lessen a little bit too. So I think we're seeing a lot of good news 
that inflation actually might start coming down. One, uh, Ryan Ed Cox, one thing I do not understand. We have very low uh, unemployment, uh, lots of jobs available, um, uh, much more jobs available than job seekers. And yet the economy, technically, you could say it's in a recession at two, two down quarters and probably headed into a third. How do you explain that? Uh, you know, I, I think the inflation front is a big part of that. Um, and coming out of COVID, obviously, some of the numbers, the way they line up, um, you know, they're not coming in necessarily great. But I think inflation is the biggest problem here, Ed. And I think that's why the Fed is being so aggressive about bringing interest rates back down, or excuse me, bringing interest rates up to bring inflation back down. But on the other hand, if you look at it historically, we've never really had a recession while unemployment uh, was so low or, or really, you know, if you saw, you know, jobs were continue to be created. So I think from that perspective, you know, technically we might be in a recession, but the real question is, is the economy really in that bad of shape? I think that's the big question. So it's a, a full employment recession. <laughs> now, <Yeah. laughs> uh, granted, unemployment is a lagging indicator, right? So that may be part of it. That is part of it, but but I think the reality of it is we saw that JOLTS report come out this past week, too, which is backwards-looking, but when you had 11.3 million job openings, you're still at that ratio of for every two jobs, there's only one person looking. I mean, that's the hottest job market we've ever seen historically, or the tightest, rather. Um, so I don't think that's going away anytime soon because you still have an aging population in the U.S. Baby boomers are still going to be retiring. Um, and, you know, we, we know that, uh, you know, people aren't having as many babies as they used to. So I think all of these speak to a tight labor market for a lot longer. Um, now, if you have inflation coming down, but the labor market stays tight, that actually might not be a bad scenario looking forward when you start thinking about the economy. Well, if you take a look at it from the Fed's point of view, they got two mandates. Humphrey Hawkins, uh, they have to keep unemployment low and they have to keep inflation low. Now, unemployment's low, inflation's high, so they can be very aggressive with interest rates, right? Well, it's tricky, right, because if they're too aggressive, uh, that could put us into a deeper recession. And, you know, I would mention here, I wouldn't trust the Fed. Twelve months ago, remember, Jay Powell was saying, I'm not even thinking about thinking about uh, raising interest rates, <laughs> which is a completely different tune today. The, the only people didn't know that uh, inflation was a problem was the Fed. Um, and now they're talking extremely hawkish. And we know if we look on the ground floor, commodity prices are coming down. Supply chains are getting fixed. We saw wages blowing up this, this past month. On the ground, inflation is coming down. It seems like the Fed's the only, uh, <laughs> only people on the planet that doesn't know that's happening. So I suspect they can pivot very aggressively again, just like they did from last year to this year. So- Ryan Payne, oh, I'm just uh, Ryan Payne, again, of Payne Capital Management. Oil prices Uh, The Biden administration is taking credit for the oil prices going down. They've gone down a little steadily since, uh, I guess, the past, uh, what, couple of weeks now. Who is actually, explain to our listeners, who actually determines the cost of oil per barrel? And, of course, just another point that I'd like to make, it was a lot lower under Trump, even though it's gone lower recently. It has gone lower. I mean, there's there's a couple factors, right? I mean, prices got so high, and we, we have a saying that what cures higher prices, higher prices. So I think the American consumer was forced to to pull back on what they were spending, but also, you know, we're still we're still at those we're not at pre-pandemic levels of production yet either. So, you know, there's still a lot more production to be done. I know John talks about this a lot in the U.S. We could be producing a lot more oil. So, you know, you know, prices are still relatively high, but I think you know you've seen the consumer pull back. 
And again, that is disinflationary. Again, that should be a good sign as we move into you know, getting that CPI, that inflation number for September. It should be lower again, and that's before the Fed's meeting. So I think that's going to be a really critical um, you know, number that comes out and finding out if inflation still is coming down as aggressively, and it looks like it actually is. Hey, Ryan, this is Nelson Happy. I'm concerned about the real estate market. We've seen here in New York City that sales of property has just gone to nothing, but rent is hot, and all over the country, houses are staying unsold. Could we be faced with a serious problem here with the all the jobs related to real estate changing and people not being able to sell their houses and move? I actually don't think we are, because I think the bottom line is, look, the unaffordability of houses, was literally at the at, we've had the, the most unaffordable number since like 1988 or 1989. So I think with the Fed raising interest rates and we saw mortgage rates go from three to five percent, it's definitely cooled the market. But prices certainly have to come down. You're starting to see that. But demographically speaking, I talk about this a lot. We've had an undersupply of the housing market for like a decade, and you've got a whole cohort, the millennials, that need homes. So I do think prices have to come down, but I think there's a huge demand behind that. It wasn't like back in never 2008, 2009, you just had vacant, um, you know, lots of properties where it was just like no demand, just supply. So I think bottom line is real estate has to cool. It's not a bad thing, and there's huge demand behind it because of millennials. Not necessarily the worst thing in the world. Well, thank you so much, Ryan Payne. Again, that's Payne. Um, what is it? Payne uh, Capital Management, P-A-Y-N-E. And uh, thank you so much for always giving us the greatest advice. And I hope you have a wonderful weekend, TGIF. Hey, my pleasure. Happy Labor Day weekend. Thank you. Now, keep it right here. Coming up, we'll have a report from Lou Dobbs. John Welcome back to the John Katz Matidis Cats at Night Show. We still got a great show for everyone. TGIF. John Katz is uh, busy doing something else, but we're keeping the holding down the fort here in studio. We have Governor Patterson, Ed Cox, Jay Nelson Happy, George Venizelos, and I'm Lydia Serrani. And now on the line with us, we have John McLaughlin, the pollster of all pollsters. He's of uh, McLaughlin and Associates. So, John McLaughlin, I'm hoping, I guess, well, I, I, you'll tell us if it's true or not, that this whole, I guess, uh, performance by President Biden might last night might actually backfire on him. W- what are you hearing? Well, I guess his vacation's over. That was working for him. <laughs> because, uh, <laughs> we did a poll that we released uh, last Friday that we wrote about on Monday. It's on our website at McLaughlinOnline.com, a thousand likely voters across the country. And 67% of all the voters say the country's still on the wrong track. Uh, the, uh, uh, the, the interesting part is Joe Biden had a 55% disapproval rating, 43% approved, which is a little better than, than last month. And that's mainly because he was on vacation. And the, the speech, I watched the speech, and it was horrible. I mean, it was partisan, divisive. I wish the, bro- the, the, the networks had broadcast it because it, it, it wasn't, you know, uplifting or presidential at all. It was mean and nasty. Um, and uh, I heard uh, Chairman Cox it was talking about the, uh, the use of the Marines in it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just it was the tone of it and the substance of it that was off message. And he's looking to pick a fight because they're desperate. And what was interesting is the generic ballot in our poll this week had the Republicans at 45 and the Democrats at 45. Last month, we had 48, 43. So the Democrats for Congress were making some 
some gains because the Republicans weren't playing offense. And two polls have come out subsequently uh, this week, uh, late this week, where Trafalgar and Rasmussen reports have the Republicans up by again by roughly five points. And it's because people are realizing the country's in a recession. That's in in our poll where we've got uh, we've got almost six in ten voters saying that the country's in a recession. And the other part that was interesting about our poll was. 69% of the Republicans want Donald Trump to run against Republican primary voters. If he runs again, they support him 84 to 12. In a field of 13 candidates, he was leading uh, uh, Ron DeSantis and others 54 to 15. So DeSantis was the next closest. Everybody else was in single digits. So, uh, And Donald Trump was beating Joe Biden 49% to 45%. So while the Republicans were not ahead for Congress, because they really haven't taken it to the Democrats yet. Uh, Donald Trump, who does go after Joe Biden, who says he's wrecked the economy, who says he's making things worse, who talks about the open border, who talks about uh, crime and law and order in our streets and challenges Biden on those things, he was ahead of Biden and would win decisively today if there was an election. But the presidential election isn't until uh, uh, isn't until uh, uh, 2024. And as, and as far as the... Uh, uh, you know, as far as November 8th, we got 67 days to go. So the Republicans, it's critical for them to play offense in September and go after the Democrats and challenge them on the issues so that we win back the House and we win back the U.S. Senate. So, uh, um, you know, September is going to be critical for setting that agenda. And I think Joe Biden made a big mistake last night the way he decided to start the month. Uh, John McLaughlin, be... you threw out a, a lot of numbers at us. What was Biden's approval rating while he was hiding in the basement last month? It was 43 approved, 55 disapproved. So it, it goes up. It goes up when he's away. That's why he's been on vacation 40 percent of the time he's been in the White House. Jay Nelson, yeah, happy you were you brought up a good point that this this that was like border. It was offensive. I was going to say borderline offensive to use those two Marines as props. Right. right. My son is a Marine officer and he was outraged over the use of the Marine Corps as a prop. And he pointed out to me that there's an issue about the two Marines that were in under the camera were defenseless. They, there was nothing they could do. They had to stand there at attention, even though it was clearly a political speech. And I know that the Marines do everything possible to stay away from politics. So using them as a stage prop was very, very bad. And the White House press secretary admitted as much. She was asked about it and she said, well, yeah, you know, that's we wanted to have them on stage for everybody to see. It was just using the Marines. Yeah, she admitted it. They we, they wanted everybody to see them. She didn't use the word prop. But if you say I put this person or this thing up because I wanted everybody to see it. That is called a prop at at Cox. Uh, uh, John, you you say the uh, Republicans have to go on the offensive here. And I know that Leader McCarthy plans to have a very uh, extensive uh, commitment to America, uh, sort of the equivalent of contract for America. Speaker Gingrich, when he took over the House in 94 for the first time since 52, is that something that he should roll out as – against the background of the speech to say, look, we're serious and we have a serious program here. And it's not just about maggots, it's about the country. Well, I think I think uh, Kevin McCarthy, the Republican leader, has spoken out about uh, the speech and has challenged it. And I was involved back in 94 when uh, uh, when when uh, uh, Speaker Gingrich was then, you know, the whip for the Republicans. 
Uh, we had polling in September saying that we were up seven points on the generic ballot. We were going to take the House. And we'd never seen that before and had to present that to the leadership. But it was about the contract. The contract was very substantive and percolated. Um, the, the sooner the, uh, Leader McCarthy gets out an agenda that the Republicans can go after the Democrats would be very good because uh, there's so many issues, inflation, spending, taxes, the border, crime. Uh, there's no reason we, we need to be sitting back. We've got to go play offense. And, he, you know, he's supposed to roll out this commitment for America. And when he does, the Republicans should get on board because Newt Gingrich, uh, he's rolled out. We were doing a lot of survey research for him. He's rolled out a new American majority plan where 60% of all, 62% of all voters agree with uh, mo- uh, the Americans on almost 24 different issues uh, where the Republicans, and we say Republicans, would they vote for Republicans? Everything from workfare to balanced budget to taxes, all those issues are resonating again. And uh, health care, solutions for health care, solutions for education are in there. And uh, it's just uh, there's a core 25 percent that are big government socialists that oppose us on these issues that, uh, um, you know, that that really that that's who Joe Biden was speaking to last night. And uh, the Republicans can win on the issues. And the sooner we set that agenda and the sooner our candidates go after the Democrats, the better off we'll be. Now, you didn't mention what uh, what the Democrats think their winning issue is going to be, and that's abortion. And that's because of a special election that we had here in New York uh, uh, on August the 23rd. And uh, the Democrat won, barely won, and he made it a referendum uh, on abortion. Uh, well, why isn't that a big issue coming up in the general well, election? It's a significant issue. In the national poll, I talked about, you know, 21 percent off the top of the head, we gave them a list of issues. And 21 percent said inflation was the top. The majority of voters said economic issues, you know, were the most important. Only 7 percent said abortion because most of the states have not changed their abortion laws. And in New York, what was sad about that special election, because I used to poll for John Fasco in that district when he was the congressman. There's a there are there, in 2020, there were 178,000 Trump voters. The Republican for Congress in this election got only 63,000 votes and lost by a couple thousand. He left 115,000 Trump voters on the table because there was never an ad saying Joe Biden's wrong on, on, on inflation, on the economy, on jobs, on things that people in New York care about. And, you know, we used to run ads in 94 where we'd morph our opponent's face into Bill Clinton's face. <laughs> we would we would win the election going away. We had people, you know, being badly outspent, three to one, four to one, and we'd still win. John, in New York, uh, this yeah, is David Patterson. I was up on Lake George, and the Albany TV stations uh, broadcast into that area, and I saw the commercials on both sides, and I was surprised that um, – that the Republican candidate, who I know, Mark Molinari, is a good guy, but he, in the commercials, they didn't really go close to those issues that you just discussed. No, no. And that that was a, and hopefully the Republicans learn from him. Maybe he's going to surprise them because he's up again in November. And when you were up in, if you were in Lake George, you probably saw the news coverage about last weekend. There was a sh- six shootings. There were six people got shot in Albany, in Albany. And there's a memo from the, the the SUNY uh, whatever the officials at SUNY telling SUNY Albany telling their students don't go downtown because it's not safe. Jeez. So 
you know, where was the ad on cashless bail? Where was the, you know, I mean, I mean, it's the issues are there, but don't expect the Republicans to glide into office. They have to raise the issues. They have to challenge the Democrats. And we have to find out who the big government socialists are versus the common sense Democrats like yourself, Governor. We got to we have to raise those issues and go after them. John, uh, uh, this is Nelson Happy. I'm wondering, the Democrats are doing a lot of curling about Sarah Palin's loss. Do you think mm-hmm. her uh, losing was a bellwether and shows that the Democrats are doing great? No, I pulled up in Alaska, and uh, I didn't pull for her, but there was another Republican named uh, Begich who was named after a former congressman, uh, one of his one's kids or son or grandkids or whatever, was running, and so they, so she lost at ranked choice, second choice voting, and uh, um, so I don't think that was a bellwether. And that was, you know, that was uh, it was it was one of those elections where she's had significant negatives because she's a celebrity and left the state and all that. And the second choice Republicans didn't fall in for her the way that the uh, second choice, say Democrats and Green Party candidates fell in for the Democrat up there. So uh, you know, I think I think you know if it if it had been. Without the ranked choice voting, she'd be the congresswoman. But uh, she'll be on the ballot again in, in November, and we'll see what happens in that election. Well, it thank you. Thank you so much, John McLaughlin. Again, John McLaughlin of McLaughlin and Associates, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again. All right. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Now we'll actually want to talk. I know, you know, McLaughlin used to be Trump's uh, pollster, so we want to talk yeah, yeah. So we want to talk uh, to you, George, uh, former assistant director in charge of the New York office of the FBI. Is it normal how this, uh, you know, we keep talking about the raid on Mar-a-Lago and everybody's talking whether or not he's going to be indicted. Does the FBI often conduct searches? Because I know you want to call it a search instead of a raid, right? Um, if you they, <laughs> they conduct these searches and there is not an indictment. So tell us about it. First of all, if it's a raid, somebody be arrested. Oh. If it's a search, you're going in the search. But they so. went through her underwear, so to me, that's like a raid. Well, is, that, is, that, <laughs> is that confirmed? <laughs> or is that just rhetoric that's out there? Yeah, but, who knows, uh, yeah. No, but I, I think what people have to understand, um, when the FBI gets criminal referrals, allegations, it's their job to investigate. And, and if they really get strong evidence that there's evidence that's being withheld, in whatever type of case it is, our search warrant is a tool to gather evidence. And, and there's a lot of cases where you do search warrants and it doesn't end up in an indictment. It, it, it ends up in just the evidence is not there. Um, so the FBI does sometimes, sometimes the FBI's job is to prove the negative that there is nothing. Well, George, what in this case though, what wasn't the FBI told to go do this by the Department of Justice? No, I, I think what happened here, uh, speculation. Now I'm speculating like, like everybody else is. They get a criminal referral from this. This agency. This is a very unique case, um, and they have to do something about it. So I think they tried to. Are you talk like, about the National Archives. National Archives. You know, you know. I'm sure they. It's, there's probably only a handful of, of cases in the in the history that they knew, get like, these. Yeah. I never heard of. Them. Frankly, I never heard of them. But yeah. there is archives. Okay. So they they have they have to do the search. If I mean, they try to do it. I'm just again. I'm just trying to go by what I'm hearing. I know last night. I think uh, uh, McCarthy, he, yeah. he, he tried to explain it well. You go, to, you do the search. You know, they have to, first they wanted to get it voluntarily. They got it voluntarily. Then they, somehow they must have got information, credible information, 
that well, we'll find out that there's more stuff that wasn't given up. There's more classified information. Which turned out to be true. Which, so they, they had to go back in. Whether how it's handled, I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure if it, if it could have been handled better. I don't know. You know, what about the well, pictures of stuff that they got? Isn't that unusual to, to, to release the, the a photo, picture? To release a picture well, in that DOJ filing. Yeah. DOJ, DOJ probably released that as part of this 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 this, uh, this um, discovery. Where they're trying to because everything is a lot. First of all, when you're looking at an ex president who's a potential candidate, you got you, you got to be you got to be smarter when you do this stuff. You got you got to really. That this is a very sensitive. You have to anticipate that this is a groundbreaking, and you got to really be sure of what you're doing. You know, you know, you, you can't. You really you can't be used as a political football. And in this case, they got in the middle of something. I think they had to go do the search. And at the end of the day, they're suffering. The last two weeks, you know, what's been going on with, with the bashing the FBI. It, it breaks my heart. It it hurts me. But at the end of the day, that's that's their job. The agents don't care. They, they they just do their job. And at the end of the day, the evidence is presented to the prosecutors, as as Mr. Cox knows, and the prosecutors decide whether there's enough evidence to go forward, enough evidence, or even enough evidence to go forward with a search warrant too. You know, they, they start to they initiate the process that goes to a judge. So Trump said that he didn't have any classified information because he had declassified it. And then today, Ed Cox, former Attorney General Bill Barr, said that Trump had no legitimate reason to have any type of classified documents in his possession. What is your response to that? I know a little bit about archives because the Nixon Library right. interacts mm-hmm. with archives mm-hmm. all the time. Correct, right. There is a person who's the head of the archives mm-hmm. for the Nixon Library. and there's you know a lot more of, than anybody in this room. And yep. uh, they're That's... going to pick a new one and we get involved in that, some of that. Uh, it's all about documents. Mm-hmm. And the former president has a right to documents under the president, Presidential Records Act. Right. which was uh, signed by President Carter uh, in 1978. And obviously he's concerned about his archives going forward, and he represented mm-hmm. former presidents in a way. Uh, and there's lots of rights for the former president there. Mm-hmm. He has a right to get documents to keep them from the public well, view. For Ed, I wish time. you were talking to the president, because once you told him that, he wouldn't have had to say that he declassified them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, he can certainly look at classified. He still has a top secret. Uh, so I want to have George yeah, have the I, last words. You think he'll be indicted? What's your gut? <laughs> I know. I know you're you're just speculating. Well, how how can we preface it that you're just this talking is total out of, speculation? Total speculation. I don't think he will be. Okay. I, I think the, the the objection was to get these papers back. That, that, that and if it's not a threat to national security, yeah, whatever he had, then where's the and crime? And you can't convince been, him then of obstruction. There's been cases in the past on the same type of stuff. Yeah. A little different. Yeah. But but the same. So you have to, they have to look at the precedent that was set. And this is, this is, keep in mind, this is Attorney General DOJ call. As FBI has nothing to do with this call. Okay. They make the way, recommendations. I That's agree it. with you, George. Yeah. I don't think he'll be indicted. I think he's already been tried, and they tried to convict him by leaks. <laughs> right. I mean, every story But you're the first the person Times I heard leaks. to say that the FBI was used as a political pawn, and I couldn't agree with you more on this, because I do think that they were used This is this. why these cases are very sensitive. This is why these cases need to be handled, because we don't – I say keep on saying we, but the FBI does not want to be used – but the FBI still has a job to do. They still have to investigate. And they can't worry about being used. They still have to investigate. All right. Both well, sides. 
On that, on that note, coming up, we'll be talking to Dr. Peter Mikolos, a Renaissance man, our resident genius here at WABC. He's going to tell us how we can live longer, what's going on. Apparently, there's a shot you can take now to lower your cholesterol levels. Keep it right here, Cats at Night. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katz Matidis Cats at Night Show, TGIF. I can't believe it's already Labor Day. This summer has flown by. Uh, Dr. Peter Mikolos, a resident medical genius, he is on the line with us. Dr. Mikolos, I'm seeing the notes here that Matt Wanning gave us, and apparently there's something to do with uh, now you can get a shot to lower your cholesterol. Tell us all about it. Well, there's some fascinating things happening. First of all, to explain to our public, when you go for a blood test, you hear the doctor say your cholesterol level and your LDL, which is the way to remember that's the lousy cholesterol or the bad (laughs) cholesterol. HDL is the happy cholesterol. So we want our HDL, the happy cholesterol, to be high. But when the LDL is up, that's what helps to block up your arteries, increases your risk of cardiovascular problems and stroke. So what happens is that LDL significantly contributes to cardiac disease. So what we want to try to do is block it. And the FDA has approved a medicine that's injected twice a year for people who have not responded to uh, maximum statins, and it's called inclisiran. And it targets a protein called the PSK9 protein. And basically what that does is it dramatically lowers the LDL or the lousy bad cholesterol so you don't get plugged up arteries with what we call soft plaques, which can dislodge and give you a stroke, a heart attack. And those are the things that block our coronary arteries. Coronary arteries are basically little tiny pipes attached to our heart, and they feed the pump, they feed the heart feeds itself through the coronary arteries. And those, when they get blocked, that's when you have to get stents or you get a heart attack, or it depends which blood vessel is involved. The other fascinating thing with this uh, blocking this PSK9 inhibitor, there are other medicines that you can take biweekly or monthly that are available now, but they're quite expensive. But there's a group actually working on a vaccine using some of the new technology for vaccines to target this PSK9 protein and basically you would basically take a vaccine against cholesterol and lipids that you might have to take maybe once a year and that would be an amazing game changer for heart disease and probably put a lot of uh, cardiac surgeons out of business and uh, you know basically one in uh, 10 the next thing the big advancement is in diabetes there are one in 10 people in the U.S. have diabetes and 40% of the population in the United States is considered obese based on BMI or body max, mass index, your size and your height. And uh, in 1960, only 10% of our population was obese. So this new injectable once-a-week medicine called terzepatide, it basically it limits the sugar spikes. The sugar goes up, it damages our cells, it damages our kidneys, damages our nerves. And it also tells the pancreas to make more insulin. And insulin is the taxi cab that brings the sugar into the cells to use for energy. And when we have a defect in that pathway, the sugar stays in your blood and does all kinds of problems instead of going where it belongs, 
for energy in the south. Okay, P- um, P- Peter uh, <clears throat> Ed Cox, and I have a. It's, I think it's a burning question for a lot of the listeners out there. Certainly for me, I've been using statins for twenty years now. To start, they were said, "Oh, they're safe in this," but are are there any long term bad impacts from taking statins on a regular basis every day for bad cholesterol? Well, if you're one of the people who has a bad reaction to it, like some people have problems with uh, muscle aches, some people have problems with liver enzymes, but most people tolerate them quite well and they do okay with them. But there are there is a certain uh, percentage of the population that has certain genetic hyperlipidemia, meaning genetic uh, elevated cholesterol, that sometimes statins just don't cut it. And if people have some of the side effects that they get with statins, not everybody, you have an option now, which is pretty great. And also we have a compliance problem. If you have certain people who are just non-compliant with their pills, forgetful, they have other memory conditions, imagine being able to get a shot twice a year and your cholesterol is under control and you can avoid heart disease. But what's really fascinating about these PSK9 inhibitors, unlike statins, for example, the Amgen and Priolan products, the one uh, from uh, from Amgen, it actually reversed blockages. And there was a big Cleveland Clinic study. So could you imagine you have blockages and plaque, and it actually reversed plaque and made it disappear. So how can someone get that shot? You better, you, uh, well, the problem is they're extremely expensive and many insurance companies uh, don't want to pay for it. The problem with a lot of insurance. And as you know, Dr. Michaels, I've been trying for two months, and I'm still trying. Really? Yeah. Doctor, I want the weight weight loss shot. So maybe I can buy, I'll, buy, I'll, buy you, I'll buy you a two-month supply for Christmas. I'll volunteer. I'll volunteer to be well, the mu- Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Dr. Peter Mikolos. The music is up, so you know what that means. It's the end of the show. Thank you so much. On behalf of John Katz-Mitzidis, thank you so much, George Benizillos, Nelson Happy, Ed Cox, Governor Patterson. Guys, what do we stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American way. way. God bless America. Happy Liberty Day. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.